Hello and welcome to Borked, the podcast by Geeks for Geeks. I'm your host, David Eagle. I have with me my co-host, Jay. How's it going, guys? And, of course, Andrew McAlpine has decided to join us once again. Hello, Andy. Greetings. And we are fortunate to have Miles, the uh, the co- co-cat host star <laughs> of the show, who uh, Jay rescued from the driveway and has, has sent... Actually, I don't know if it's really a... I don't know if it's a step in the right direction for Miles. Uh, you're getting him fixed tomorrow? That's right. He loses his, uh, his manly bits. His manly bits. Tomorrow. So one... One day he's living, you know, free and wild in the driveway, and and you mean two, in the the circle near the mailboxes of my apartment complexes. Two days later, he's getting his goods chopped off. I mean, yeah, I did think about that. I'm like, <laughs> I could have left you to die, but instead, I'm going to keep you and cut your balls off. Maybe just a little acclimation like a, period. It's kind of a. It's like in that scene from uh, Pulp Fiction, you know, when they though? go into the uh, pawn shop and they think, "Oh yes, I'm saved," you know, when uh. What's his name? The, the mob boss is chasing Bruce Willis's character, mm-hmm. and then the guys from the pawn shop proceed to stick yeah. the camp on him. You know, frying mm. pan fire kind of situation. It could be like that, but Sorry, thankfully <laughs> there's no there's no bestiality involved in this because I'm, I'm a cat lover, but not oh, in that what? sense. So. <laughs> wow! For well, that's... 45 seconds of the podcast, the bestiality is always brought up. This is a good precedent. All right, should we restart this or <laughs> no? No. Soldier <laughs> on, brother. We're good. I think we're on a roll. I just want to point out that this is what happens when we don't have chicks or Rev on the show, so it's probably bad news. No correlation. See how far we spiral before the hour's over. All right, sounds good. <laughs> All right, well, before we get into our, our uh, geeky news, let's talk about what we've been up to this week, and I'll, I'll kick it off. I haven't done a ton of geeky things outside of the norm. Actually, I have I have been a little bit geeky. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been watching a new show, which, you know, I consider cool TV shows to be a geek thing. Um, so I've been watching this new show, Leverage, which a lot of our listeners probably know about and already watch. At least one of them only knows about it and watches it because of me, so that's awesome. Um, and it's a great show. I believe it's on TNT, and they know drama. And, and that's, <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> that's not a false statement. They really do. I get uh, I get pretty whew when I'm watching me the leverage. So it's on Netflix streaming. So go turn on your Xbox, and after this episode is over, um, go to TV shows and then find leverage and watch it. They have season one up there, which is great. Um, and the, the way I described the show was it's kind of like Mission Impossible, like the original Mission Impossible TV show uh, meets Ocean's Eleven. So it's when, a lot of fun. When you said that, by the way, I pretty much peed my pants and added it to my instant queue on Netflix. So Right. That. Yeah, so, so you should watch it. The first episode, um, I would say by the fifth episode, it really – all the characters have – kind of fully formed and you get a sense for the type of comedy there um first episode is a little dicey but it just picks up from there so check it out okay i'll give it a chance uh, i've been watching leverage and then in addition to that i got the opportunity because jay was in southern california to play some dungeons and dragons with the crew oh which was a blast it was awesome my favorite quote of the entire gaming session <laughs> Came from Jay's dwarf fighter, who uh, he he. If you follow me on Twitter, you know he had a critical miss with a dagger throw, and so he rolled a one and took two hit points worth of damage. And then on the next turn, he wanted to attempt the same attack again. And I looked at him and I said, "You know, are you sure that's a good idea?" And, and I said, "I only have five movement points," and then quickly went back to character. So no, that's that's <laughs> not what, 
That's what I was complaining about, because yeah. if you guys have ever played a cleric, which is what I play, you know that you get five movement points, and all of your ranged attack are five. So if you have an enemy that's 15 squares away, you can't do anything for two turns. Well, same with um, the fighter, dum-dum. Anyways, go ahead. That's true. So anyway, he, he, I said, you know, are you sure you want to do that? And he said, I never miss twice. Yeah, I, I did. Did you hit him? <laughs> oh, yeah, dude, I rammed that dagger through his chest. It was impressive. From one yard it, away, it was great. It, it was impressive in that sort of, you know, D&D, we, we imagine it in our minds kind of way. Which was great. And can we take a quick aside to just talk about the magic of D&D really quick? It's magical. Like, I, I took several moments throughout the time we were playing it, and I kind of looked around while uh, while Rev, Rev was our, uh, our DM for this one. He's been our DM the whole time, but, well, both times. Uh, but we'll be doing it more, because I had a blast and everyone had a blast. But um, he he really takes the time when something happens to really give you a visual, like, he describes it so vividly that you just, you see it. And I, he was describing what was happening, and I was kind of looking around at everybody else who was playing, and they're all smiling as he's telling the story. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of what I really love about it is... Yeah, you let your imagination go wild, but it really lets the people who are good at telling stories tell their stories. So, And it's cool, too, because when you have a DM like that, it encourages you to get into it as well, you know? Yeah. yeah that makes me curious. Have, have you all ever had the event where you're having a really great sort of um, Dungeons & Dragons or whatever your game preferences session, and it's really great, everybody's really into it, and then a sort of third party walks into the room who isn't involved in the game... <laughs> And just instantly kills any sort of mood you've built up. You mean because my dad? Because it's very hard to <laughs> <speak in> character. <laughs> Did that happen? <laughs> yeah, but we weren't in the middle of like a really like heavy party encounter at that point. We had finished most of it, so we were just kind of doing the like finishing rolls and all that stuff. So my my favorite part was when it got around to Rav's brother, and this was the like first rotation. One. The, the younger one. This was the first rotation, and it had gone through. He, he had rolled the, the last on the initiative totem. Actually, I think I was actually last, so he wasn't last. So it gets to you know Rev's wife. Um, she rolls and she hits with her magic missiles, and then it goes over to um, Rev's middle brother and uh, Sirius. He rolls and he hits with uh, whatever it was. He was attacking. He's a ranger. I don't even know what they do. They rain, but, but then he gets. His. He made it melee for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And then Brum- Brumder, I think, was first. So everybody has had a chance to go, and we've all used our Atwell powers or whatever. And then it comes to the to the youngest of the brothers, and we're like, okay, it's your turn. And I don't even did he do his movement? I don't know if he did his movement. I think he might have. Anyway, he does his movement. Whatever, he gets up to the monster, and then we're like, do you want to attack him? And he's like, sure. And we're like, okay. <laughs> and we all just kind of sit there and look at him, and he just kind of sits there and looks at us, and we're like. What are you going to attack with? He's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's always fun to bring new people in. It was a blast. A blast. A blast. So, okay, so I played some Dungeons & Dragons, and uh, I I watched some TV, which was really, really good shows, and I also submitted my application to write for Massively, so we'll see how oh, that goes. Good Lord, I really hope you do, because A, you're a very, 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 very good writer. Sometimes. And, well, sometimes. I don't know. I've only experienced you at your peak, so I can't say much about it. <laughs> but, um, but you know, massively, that would be very cool, because you get the inside tips, and you can tell us what's up. I'd love it. Yeah, I mean, massively. Can you explain exactly what you applied for? I, I, don't, I don't understand. Yeah, massively. 
Uh, Massively.com is a news site that focuses on uh, massively multiplayer gaming news. And they're actually owned by the AOL Blogging Network, which is owned by, which is the same company that owns um, Joystick and a bunch of other sort of tech blogs. Um, so they were hiring writers, and it's like a position that uh, seems really cool. It's an opportunity to get a foot in to the gaming industry and, and to write for, uh, you know, write about the games that I play, which is cool because I like I like me the MMOs, which we're going to talk about in this episode very soon here. Uh, I'm very excited. So to, uh, to any potential massively editors who are listening to this very podcast. Um, I'm going to give my unreserved endorsement to Mr. Eagle and um, for whatever it is you people do. And y- you have an English degree, so you at least speak yeah, the language. Yeah, my, my endorsement accounts for a lot. <laughs> my my endorsement from a, a tiny liberal arts college that accepted everybody who met the minimum requirements <laughs> right. uh, should carry Look at you a good amount of weight. Ish. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> you said requirement. I don't even know what that means. Ah, <laughs> oh, Nelly. All right. Well, uh, Jay, what have you been up to this week? Geekily, or do you need to... In the geek phraseology. Um, well, we did the D&D game, which was very geeky. It was. Uh, it was. Yeah. In addition... Uh, hmm, oh, uh, Sarah and I played uh, Soul Calibur, finally. How did that go for you? The first, the first uh, round, the first set of games we played, I beat her at about a three to one ratio. But we played a lot, so she did beat me like honestly and completely for several matches. And these are the default for Soul Calibur Four is uh, best three of five. Is that how it works? Like under each character, there are three little circles that fill in. So yeah, I think that's best three of five. And so, so that was quite a lot. I mean, I think if it was best two out of three, she probably would have won roughly half the time. And then uh, by the time we played the second set of bouts, which was a lot longer of setting, I only beat her at a two-to-one ratio. So she's coming up, and she definitely can rock some key leak. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that she plays a dude. I'm not. <laughs> All right. I don't know what that means, but uh, no, it's not surprising. Those, uh, those rules pretty flexible there, and you're well, like, I do play the dick. <laughs> I, I like Zhanghua, so that's that's just how it is, I guess. You do like Zhanghua, which is also weird, but you're really good at her. I <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is true. So I did that, and that was a a lot of fun. That's a good game. I know it's old and it's a bit late for recommendations, but. If any of you are out there listening and you want to like a fighter that you can just kind of throw yourself at and has a lot of customer, you know, well, it does. You have to play the storyline a lot to get all the customizations and stuff like that. But if you're into that sort of thing and you kind of like leveling up your tune, so to speak, this is the first fighter with that kind of capability, which makes it interesting. So worth a play. Definitely worth a rental, if nothing else. Oh, right. Very fun. Yep. And uh, you were... You traveled with us, not particularly geeky. No, did I do anything you, geeky? And you attended a wedding. In LA. I That's went to a not... wedding. No, I'm just got to no. hang out with all my my peeps down there. It was a lot of fun. Andrew, what have you been up to this week? Anything nerdy? Uh, well, yeah, actually, I have. Uh, now that I think about it, for the first time in quite a long time, I, I've indulged in one of my favorite geeky pastimes, which is watching the phenomenal television show. Mystery Science Theater 3000. Ha-ha! Uh, for the first time in, in years, we watched. We got together and watched an episode of, of Pod People, 
or we watched an episode which was the film Pod People. Um, That's and awesome. it's just so extraordinary. Um, I don't know if you guys have had any experience with that, uh, that new sort of venture that those guys are involved in where you can sort of download Rift Tracks. Rift Tracks. That's what it's yep. called. Um, I, I've never used it, but after watching MST3, sort of tempted to, to give it a whirl. Uh, I don't know how expensive they are, but they're it like seems literally like it might be $2 stops. Have you tried it? Uh, my brother has, but he got it in means that are not. We'll leave that there. Uh, like I, I am. That is. This is the one thing. I, I mean, I don't really steal a lot of media or pirate it, but this is the one thing I would never pirate because it's like comedians trying to make a buck off of being funny. So you can't pirate that. Come on. But uh, I, I am definitely going to try it. It's on my list of things I need to do in the near future. He said it was hilarious. Maybe, maybe I'll try to do it. Uh, maybe I'll try to do it this week, and we can talk about it next time. Yeah, let's 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 shoot for that. The, homework. the clip they show in the demo that you can watch on the website, well, there are a couple of them. One of them is for 300. I've not laughed that hard in a very long time. It's like a 30-second clip of them just doing their MST, MS3, wait, MS, whatever. Almost you know, there. Mystery Science Theater 3000 thing <laughs> on 300, and it's really, really funny. Wow. I, I love, I loves me some Torgo, so. Yeah. Torgo The master wants you. Yeah. Oh, you The master <laughs> Manos uh, Hands of fate So uh, that that sounds like fun So It seems like I think those shows are better When you have a couple people that you're watching them with Which is what it sounds like you actually yeah. did You know maybe we should find yeah, one Yeah it, it was a good communal experience Well hey Andy you, you, have, uh, you have Xbox Live right? Yeah, yeah, I do. Oh. So we could do the group viewing thing at the same time? Yeah. We Ooh. could put that on. We could all kind of make it an event. Hmm? It would, it would be uh, almost like we're all real friends. It's called a party, actually. So. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, thanks, Dave. <laughs> we're, heard about no, that, that's, that's, that's what the... <laughs> That's what it's called in the Netflix application. It's called a party. Is it really? Which is kind of depressing. And it is actually named. That, that is really <laughs> depressing, actually. I went to a party last night. Where? Oh, on my couch. Oh, did you have people over? <laughs> no, well, well in order. cyberspace. <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> but isn't that what people have been saying about us for years? And now it's true. You're welcome. And now You're it's welcome. Cool. <laughs> oh, oh, I have another piece of geeky news, but I'll save that. For when we start talking about that, which is right now, Yay. geeky news. Bum, bum, bum. Hey, yeah, we have low production hello. value. We're not the instance. We can't have a thing for geeky news. Hello, there, so. listeners. Hello, hi, hello. Yes, um, Scott Johnson, if you're listening and you want to make us some cool bumpers, feel free. Good Lord, we would love you forever. Well, we already would love you forever, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, it's irrevocable. So just do it because we love you already. <laughs> irrevocable. <laughs> love. So the first thing I want to talk about is this uh, this big news for this week. Disney, you know, it, it hasn't been finalized yet, but it looks like it's pretty pretty final. Disney is going to buy Marvel. What do you guys think about that, Andrew? Let's start with you. I think you have some opinions on the matter. You had the tweet of the day, and I get a lot of tweets in a day, but yours was the tweet of the day. So please share that. Well, to, su- to sum up uh, what, what I said, um, you know, on my Twitter account, I, I'm concerned that my child is about to get raped, potentially by another part of my childhood. Um, 
it's just I think true. I think that I don't I don't know if I have a I have a huge set of real concerns because it seems to me like the only thing that Marvel really could make a huge amount of money on is those movies and they seem to know what they're doing with those. Um so I can't imagine Disney would mess around with the the films too much. Um if they continue to make just boatloads of cash for everybody involved. Mm. Um so I don't I don't think we're gonna start seeing micromanaging in the you know, in the continuity of the new Avengers or anything like that. You can't uh, kill Captain America. This is Disney. No one dies. <laughs> no one dies. Yeah. No one really dies in Marvel either, let's be honest. That's a really good point. That's why they bought <laughs> them. We can stand true. behind your values. No one dies. <laughs> <laughs> Although um, there is a potential, and I, I, I didn't come up with this idea, um, our, our our old uh, and mutual friend Tim Barton came up with this one. Oh, yeah? Uh, the because it, now there's the Marvel versus Disney fighting game that is sure to come out. Oh um, no! Hyper so animation. Awesome. Oh moves. no! It's like Kingdom Hearts. I think it'll squared. be excellent. So I, what I really want to see is like the the um, Wolverine versus Mickey Mouse matchup. You know, Mickey Mouse wins. Well, I think. I, I mean, I think that you know. Mickey Mouse is scrappier than we give him credit for. But how do you uh, beat re- regeneration and adamantium skeleton, you know? Simple. Steamboat rolls on from the side of the screen. Steamboat. Rolls over Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> very nice very nice nod to the first Disney cartoon, sir. Well played. First, yep. All right. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not super concerned about it. As we know... Um, Warner Brothers is the owner of DC Comics, and that hasn't really taken a downhill turn. In fact, one of my favorite comics in the recent, in the last year or so was from DC, and it was the uh, Neil Gaiman um, two-part uh, Death of Batman special that he just did. Was so yeah, that was excellent. Um, it was excellent, and Batman although, died. Um, really? Well, yeah. Well, Batman sort of is continuing. In it, but it's it's sort of beside the point. Um, if you haven't read it though, it's really great. What, what's it called? Uh, whatever happened to the Cape Crusader? Whatever happened to the Cape Crusader, which was a uh, uh, kind of a salute or a tribute to the Superman comic done by um, was it the? Hmm, it might have it was been Alan Moore. Alan Moore, yeah, it was. It, it, yeah, it's whatever happened to wrapping up the uh, the Silver Age Superman? Yep. It's the phrasing of that title. All I can think about is there's something about Mary. I don't know why. So is it similar <laughs> to that or no? That's very sad. No, it's it's not entirely at all. different. Okay. Yes, completely. Well, maybe it, I'll swing by. My, but I'm gonna leave those to pick that yeah. up. So um, you enjoyed that series as much as I did. It sounds like Andrew, you you're a fan. I did. I haven't. Um, I, I'm a big comic book fan, but. Uh, with my sort of limited budget the past year, I haven't done a whole lot of new comic book buying. Um, but I actually scoured three or four stores looking for that particular sort of double-issue saga uh, and was, was not disappointed. Um, I think that... I think... I, I, you know, I have this theory that the best stories in comics, um, especially the, the DC um, realm, are the, the, the comics that occur outside of the normal continuity. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially since the the continuity right now for DC Comics is just out of control, um, with more crises than you can count. Um, to have this, these, these are the great little stories using these characters and these archetypes that we've sort of come to love, um, and have them not be sort of beholden 
to all the rules and snares they set up for themselves. Hmm. It really gives them the opportunity to make a story that matters in a way that they I feel like they can't um, in their in their current incarnation. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it does. Can we go a little deeper for a second in terms of the way comics work? And you're a comic guru, so I'm asking you this as much for my benefit as for the listeners. When it comes to the way that the the plot of the greater universe of say DC or Marvel or whatever, um, what kind of freedom is given to an individual comic writer? to modify the universe for all the comic writers. Because at any given time, there are at least two or three people who are writing for the same the same character, right? Or at least the same universe where the characters cross over. So how much freedom are the artists given to modify the storyline irrevocably, or how much are they beholden to the greater studio, I guess you'd say? Yeah, I you know I'm not sure about the specifics. I don't I don't know. I'm not familiar enough with the behind the scenes. But it seems to me like you know successful comic franchise is like a su- successful sitcom, right? Mm. Um, and you can have as many interesting things happen in a sort of story arc as you like. But you better sort of get back to the place where you started. Um, otherwise, you change what makes it successful, right? So if you had mm. like a Friends episode where they like killed. Ross and Rachel, right? Then you, you no longer have friends. Right. You, you have a better show, but you but you don't have friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, and okay, so, so I think that when you take away those, like, right, and even when Marvel, Marvel, um, I feel like went on a killing spree a little while ago, uh, and I think DC has gone on a killing spree more recently. Um, the, the the characters they do anything real with are the ones that nobody cares about, or they're the ones you know they're going to bring back. Right. Um, Captain America dying, coming back. Superman dying, coming back. Um, so, but with these one-offs like uh, like Kingdom Come or whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow and the Cape Crusader, you have you know the opportunity to tell a real story that can have a real end um, in a way you can't with the continuity and a, a, a franchise that's going to keep you know making money. Hmm. No, well. Hmm, that's a topic for a different day. All right, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you're dead on with yeah, just, good point. Just talking about how they have this, they have this opportunity where they're almost in a, in a, not necessarily a parallel universe, but it's like they're in this pocket or this little safe zone where they can tell whatever story they want, and that definitely happened with, um, with Neil Gaiman, who's one of my favorite authors, if not my favorite author, um, with Neil Gaiman and this. You know, this perfect opportunity to tell this kind of Batman story that he wanted to tell. And I think he did a great job. And actually, I I mentioned to a friend a couple months ago, I haven't been excited about Batman in a long time, in a long, long time, since, like, Dark Knight kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but reading Neil's story makes me excited about the way that they reboot the franchise. Like, I'm actually interested to see what they do next, and there's a chance that when Batman you know, starts to come back, I'll want to follow that. Um, I don't care about the war for the mask that they're doing right now at all. Yeah, absolutely. But um, when they when that baby, you know, or whatever, when, when the new Batman thing starts to emerge, um, I think it's going to be cool. So I'm kind of stoked about that. And it is exciting. I mean, we're at the point where we've grown up all our lives with these characters, and our parents have grown up pretty much all their lives with these comic book characters. And so what we've is that this is resiliency that's amazing and that 
no matter how many horrible things we do to these characters, whether it be, you know, whether the battle for the masks or whatever's going on with Batman right now, or the thing that made me stop reading comic books when I was in, uh, I think, middle school, which was the Maximum Clonage event for yeah. Spider-Man. Oh, he my had, like, God. 15 clones. That was no so... matter how bad it gets, it eventually gets back on track and starts being worth reading again because the characters have just sort of stood the test of time. And uh, so it's, it's nice to know that it's only a matter of time before you can go back and get something valuable there. That's true. And, and with all that said, I think the, the one thing we can pull out of that is, you know, what, what we see are certain writers and certain artists who come in with a specific vision and a specific idea for a story that they want to tell with these archetypes, essentially, with these characters. And when they tell their story and when they're faithful to um, what they want to do, they come up with something awesome. So occasionally we'll hit a dip where um, we get a couple of writers who are just brought on and they don't have that vision or they don't have the passion for the character and it goes astray. But eventually we see it come back and I think uh, I think that shows that you know, the success of Marvel or the success of DC rests more with the people who are writing these stories and the people who are illustrating and color inking these stories than it does with, uh, you know, the parent company that pays them. So I don't think the Disney buyout, linking it back to the original topic, I don't think the Disney buyout is going to be a blow to comic book readers. I don't think it's going to be a blow to the Marvel Universe. I think it'll probably be fine. I agree. Should be okay. Yeah, I think it's probably not going to change anything at a practical level. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe, maybe a little bit more, uh, maybe, maybe more Burger King cups with you know superheroes on them when it comes time for. Hey, well, actually, because I'm okay with that. Traditionally, the superheroes have been Burger King, but McDonald's has been Disney, so maybe we're going to have a burger war as a result of this, huh? Oh yeah. man, it'll I be there so. will be blood in the streets. Or a little, it'll, it'll be a it'll be a crossover. You'll have to buy a, a Whopper and a Big Mac to get the whole story. That is an abomination, <laughs> sir, and I reject it out of hand. <laughs> Uh, all right, well, let's move on to our next news item, and that is uh, Champions Online, which is coming out on Monday. Or, uh, no, on no. Tuesday. No, Tuesday? I don't know. What? Who I think it's Tuesday. A day this week. It will probably be out by the time you listen to this podcast. So that's exciting. And uh, I, I've I've read a lot about it. I haven't, as as Jay has, I have not created a character. Mm-hmm. And Jay, I know that um, I know that playing with uh, the costumes and the outfits was one of your favorite things of uh, of, yeah. of heroes, right? City really, of Heroes. If I have to look back at my childhood, it was when I used to play with dolls. That really, you know, American Girl. That's what really got me into character. I'm totally kidding. You guys are dead silent. Think. Wait, you think I'm serious? Do I have a problem? Yeah, I mean, we found that. We found yeah. that. Are we talking yeah. about we, this? We don't have to talk about it now. Your mom, your mom told us, dude. It's cool. Okay. It's, it's okay. She actually wanted us to bring up the Champions Online thing as maybe a gateway into talking about it, you know? Wow. Well, here on the podcast, should we do this now? Uh, no, let's do it after, after show. Place. We'll save it. Okay. After show? No. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you played with the character creator. I did, yeah. And I know that was, all joking aside, I know that was something you really enjoyed in uh, City of Heroes, was creating superheroes, basically. Yep. It was rad. That was, that was phenomenal. So that was the only good thing about that game, really. <laughs> that was that the game for some people. That may be true. That may so, be true. What was your take? It was so good that it was, it was worth it. 
yeah. it was pretty awesome. What was your take on Champions, on the character creation, and then contrasting that to um, City of Heroes, what do you think they've learned? Uh, well, first of all, in terms of actual gameplay, I'm, I didn't do it. I, I had a friend who, out of land, downloaded the beta, and he's like, you know, you got to try this character creator, and so I did. And it was literally... I mean, and you guys remember the City of Heroes character creator, right? I mean, this was yeah. literally, without exaggeration, let me think in scale here, four times as complex and full-featured. Like, without exaggeration. Right. Like, if I wanted to exaggerate, I could say a million, but that doesn't help anyone, so I'm not going to wow. do that. It is, it is incredible. Like, you choose your character archetype, the powers you want them to have, you know, that sort of thing. And then you go straight down to the costume design, which for a, a superhero game is n- probably half half of the game right there. No matter how good the rest of the game is, having a, an archetype, a character, a concept, a look that you want to play is just as important. And uh, it was incredible. I decided to go for the, the gadgets archetype, and I kind of made my guy like kind of heavy on top, you know, like... Like, really buff on top, but kind of short and squat, you know, with a little hunched-over pose and lots of gadgety stuff on his person. Kind of like the, not a mad scientist, but more like a, haha, see what I throw you next kind of villain thing. Kind of like the, um, the not the engineer, but like the, the heavy weapons guy from Team Fortress 2. Yeah, a little bit like him. Maybe a little bit more gadgety, but, you know, like that. And uh, it was really fun to make, because as you start to do it, you, you revisit You say, oh, no, no, I want it to be, you know, a little more like this, a little more like that, right? So it was a lot of fun. I, I had a really good time with it. I think that it might allow for uh, a game that people identify with, uh, which is maybe the route they're going for with their gameplay. Because as far as the gameplay saw, it's pretty close to WoW, but not as good. Um, different in certain ways, but not in any that are appreciably better than World of Warcraft. And so for the kind of person who wants to create a character they identify with and love and can kind of emulate you know, the, a little bit more of the RP kind of character, this might be your game. Um, but I, I, you know, and everyone's thinking about how their MMO can be a WoW killer. I think people need to get out of that and start making a game that enough people want to play where it can be fun. So I think they might have their little niche here. We'll see. I, I'm not incredibly optimistic, but it seems to have some promise. So to summarize, it's a fun game for girls. I wouldn't choose that as my summary, but it may very well be fun for women's. If you like designing costumes and you don't like gameplay, this is right up your alley. Sure. Why not? Yes, girls. That's what it sounds <laughs> like you were saying. All right. Don't know if I meant to communicate that, but go for it. No, I'm, I'm yeah. joking. No, good, yeah. Obviously, I'm kidding. Um, you know, I, I have been tempted by it, and I don't, you know, I can't go around buying all the games I want to try at this specific point in time. But, um, yeah, it, it looks interesting. And obviously, I'm a sucker for comic books. Obviously, we all are, you know, suckers for superheroes. And so that idea is fun. And I watched a couple of those videos on the character customization and the powers and stuff. And, yeah, it sounds like exactly what you're saying. Just, holy crap, you can do whatever you want. It's pretty crazy and pretty cool. Um, Andy, you played City of Heroes, right? I did, yeah, for for a little while, yeah. For, like, three hours? Um, for probably probably a solid couple of months, I'd okay. say. Okay. So what was, your, what was your favorite thing about City of Heroes, then? I mean, it was certainly the... Sort of after after the initial 
rush of creating a character and then creating eight more, right? To choose <laughs> the one you really want to do. And then uh, deleting seven and creating six more after that. Pretty much. <laughs> the most fun was sort of initially getting a team together to do some of the missions and just sort of looking at the kind of superhero team you have together. Uh, <laughs> the, I mean, the gameplay of that game was never was never incredible, right? But just sort of flying around and seeing, like, superheroes flying everywhere, it really made up for it. it it's just I thought fun, it was charming. And I, I think yeah, I, like could charming. Use, exactly. I could use... Hmm. Yeah, like, right, right now in my life, I couldn't... I can't really devote enough time to really to really sort of plumb the depths of a game like, wow. Um, but if I were to sort of have the ability to be able to hop onto something a little bit more casual with, with maybe a, a superhero type bet, um, this actually sounds appealing. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hey, maybe we'll all There's be playing it until, until, the new, until the new BlizzCon MMO, or new Blizzard MMO comes out. Yeah, I think there is a market for that, and I might become that market once we have the the second child. I don't know. You mean we're going to lose our? We just entertain each other at that point. (laughs) You'd think so. You just throw them, throw them in the, uh, throw them in the backyard with some beer bottles and Mm -hmm. a couple pairs of scissors. You're going to become like the best father and the best raid leader (laughs) at the same time. It's going to be incredible. (laughs) Magic. Uh, I hear once you're outnumbered, it's it, it becomes difficult. Up to this point, it's been pretty straightforward. Tiring, but pretty easy. All right. One more little piece of news before we jump on to the, uh, the, 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 of the middle of the show. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I can't steal too much from from uh, Scott Johnson. We can't call it the meat of the show. That's just not allowed. It's but the meat of the wang. Oh, well, there's that. We could do that. The wang right. of the show. I don't know. <laughs> well, we just blew our load. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> the last piece of news um, for today is is Batman Arkham Asylum is out, and uh, I have I watch Twitter. I you may not believe it, but I also watch my Facebook. I know I never comment on it or do anything with it, but hey, I do actually see what happens on Facebook. So. Um, I have these kind of feelers out there in the in the social world and uh, in the meta, as it has been called by Alachia. Alachia. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I have these feelers out there, and I get kind of you know y- you get you get feedback from the internet um, if you're paying attention, and I have not gotten this much feedback uh, since ever. So apparently, Batman Arkham Asylum, everybody went out and bought it, and everybody is shocked at how awesome it is. Um, over on CrispyGamer.com, uh, Scott Johnson did a new comic for uh, New Experience Points that is just about how, you know, in the comic, this guy is totally shocked at how fun it is to play and how awesome combat is. Um, every Everybody that I follow on Twitter who has bought it has just... You know, they've either already finished it because they just couldn't stop playing it, or uh, all they talk about is how they want to get back to playing it. So uh, it's made a huge splash with the people that I know, and for me, that matters a whole lot more than its PC gamer score. I'm going to be honest. Like, if a game gets a PC gamer score of, I don't even know, do they do to a hundred? It's like a hundred, right? Or is it? Uh, well, there's the meta score, which is uh, out of a hundred. I'm not sure PC gamer score is out of a hundred. All right. Well, if a game gets the meta score of like 95, is apparently really good, or 90 is probably pretty good too. Um, but I don't hear anyone talking about it. I am 
I'm not interested in purchasing it unless it's like Assassin's Creed 2. Unless no, it that's true. Like it's an interesting point about the corollary between social media and traditional avenues of game valuation. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's just another tool, but it's like I have a lot more contacts than I have friends. Yes. Sorry, sorry, Twitter followers, you're not all my friends. Oh, you guys are. You guys are all awesome, but you're not all my friends. But that's the cool thing. We can have acquaintances out on the internet, and we can spread that net a lot further. And so we have the opportunity to catch a lot more feedback. Um, that's more about the internet than Batman. And what I wanted to say about Batman is apparently everyone loves it, and it's awesome. So Jay is going to try to pick it up, and next week he should have a, a full awesome review for us all about Batman. That's the goal. However, PAX is next weekend. Oh, so, man. Lives are thrown into a habalabaloo. Ah, uh, yes. A bruja, which is it? I don't know. <laughs> a bruja. I, all I think about when <laughs> We're not going back says, to this again, are we? Every all week. I think about when anyone says that now is the dog igloos. <laughs> Our lives are getting thrown into an igloo. No. All right, then. Well, moving on. Um, PAX is next weekend, and you guys are going to give us full coverage of PAX. You're going to be live-tweeting all the exciting events. You're going to be playing all the hands-on games. I believe Star Wars The Old Republic is going to have some demos, and you're going to go see those. Right? Uh, I'm going to see everything I can see. I intend to put myself at this place like a maniac, so, yeah. All right. I want, I want you to just be broken after well, the weekend is over. Essentially, yeah. I mean, the point is uh, the, the folks we're going with that are coming up. Uh, Rev is coming up along with his wife and younger brother, and one of uh, Rev and I's uh, friends is coming up too. So there should be four of us plus uh, Sarah's going. Um, additionally, my friend uh, Eric, who you may hear on this podcast at some point in the future, because he is definitely a geek and awesome. Um, we may be uh, we may be all going together at some point, which will be fun. Uh, and we are going to just hit everything we can. The, the goal is that we would be there early enough that we're pretty close to the first in the door on Friday day. So, awesome! Should be well, good. That should be really cool. Right. So I'm I'm excited. I can't go this year. I don't know if I'm going to be able to go next year because we're going to have like double a hundred percent more children than we do this year. I've heard that that it works <laughs> that way. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. So um, let's move on to the last segment, the best segment, the, the scrumpture lessons. Uh, there are two things I wanted to talk about. Let's tackle the first one. And this is all about gaming, and it applies to anyone who's played games. We're not going to talk about Blizzard very much this episode at all. In fact, we're not going to talk about it right now. That's it. So yeah, We're done with that. It, it may come up as an example, but we're going to try to avoid it. Just That's, that's something we're doing for you guys. So well, what I wanted to talk about is this concept that is something that's been bouncing around in my head for a long time. And it's the idea of easy versus simple. Hmm. In a lot of games... Uh, there are mechanics that are very, very complicated, especially in MMOs. We see that boss fights become more and more complicated as games progress. Um, if you remember Ragnaros, it was a pretty straightforward fight. There was Phase 2 where everybody had to collapse. That was pretty much all that really happened during I'm Ragnaros. i Blizzard right now. So, in any event... <laughs> If you look at um, – that came out in 2004. That encounter was in the game in like 1.1, which was still 2004, I'm pretty sure. Uh, if you look at God of War, which came out in 2007, 
This is why we need Sarah on the podcast. If you look at God yeah. of War, which She's came out... here. We can get her on. Nah, it's too late now. All right. Too late. All right, sorry. God of War, which came out later, um, much, much more complicated fight mechanics. And, and so I have a theory. Uh, if you look at <laughs> Super Mario Brothers and... Fight mechanics in general are becoming much, much more complicated. And, and the question that I have is, you know, yes, that does make a fight m- more challenging, but does it necessarily make it more fun to make fight mechanics more complicated? I mean, it used to be that it was hard enough to jump over the shells, and then occasionally he would spit a fireball at you, and you had to dunk a, duck under that, and then you had to launch the shell back at him. And, like, that was pretty tricky. Doing that yeah. required skill, but... It was it was hard to do, but it wasn't hard to understand. It was very straightforward. And as we progress into, you know, we've become more and more professional gamers over the last 15 years. We've gotten this education in gaming that is cumulative. It does add up. Um, it seems like developers are kind of throwing more complicated things at us. Is that necessary? Can we just – can we find some things that are simple – Still engaging and fun to do. I don't know. Is it possible, Re- uh, Rev? <laughs> Jay, what do you think? Well, yeah, it's still possible. I mean, uh, even within the game that we're not going to talk about in this segment, it's possible. So, <laughs> um, I mean, there are, like you said, it's difficulty. Um, it's not the same as challenging, and. Uh, I can think of one good example that everyone who has played WoW since Lich King will understand, and then I'll try and think of an example that doesn't involve WoW at all. Um, but Hygen in Naxxramas is a very, very uncomplicated, very simple fight. It is literally... Except the concepts are basic. There's nothing about it that is even remotely complicated. But it's exceptionally challenging because of certain factors about it, such as the pace and the number of distractions and um, the other people around you and th- lots of things like that. Um, in terms of, if you want to bring it down to like a more like a more basic console game, uh, like kind of the quick time events in God of War, not actually complicated. But difficult because in their execution they are they are challenging. Such as you know you move through the different stages of you know fighting the boss or whatever. Or in Shadow of the Colossus, you know down in the Colossus, you have to know um, you have to kind of execute it. You know there's a difference between execution and successful fulfillment of a difficult strategy. So um, that's kind of where we find ourselves in the mix of games. And I think it's possible to have a ton of fun in either way, but that might just be my personality type, and I have to realize that that the the complicated fights are, I think, in my perception, not as fun for the majority of gamers as the uh, the difficult fights. Well, here and here's I think this is a major point. If you're playing with a lot of people, complicated fights are less fun because you can't count on other people to understand a complicated encounter as well as you do. So what isn't fun is having to explain stuff to a bunch of people. It doesn't matter if it's complicated, I guess. So I'll throw this out there. Maybe it doesn't even matter if it's complicated. Like the example you gave, that encounter, which is called Hygen, um, it's really simple, just like you said. The thing that makes it hard, not complicated but hard, simple but hard, is that the consequence 
for not being on the ball is death immediately. Yes, like death. That's it. The, the encounter for you, the encounter is over, and the rest of the team might go on and beat that boss, but you're done. That's <laughs> your toast. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I think maybe that's part of it too. Is um, you know, yeah, make it pretty straightforward. Just make it a two minute long thing and keep people's adrenaline up by, you know, <laughs> this is what you do to not get hit. Yeah, but if you get hit, you're dead. Execute <laughs> perfectly. Right. And to me, yeah. though, I, I mean, I do find adrenaline in both types, but I have to say that an execution fight makes me feel better at the end of it than a difficulty fight. Like a difficulty fight, I'm like, good, I figured out the thing that was hard about it. You know what I mean? Like I was able to do the tricky thing. But at the end of an execution fight, I'm like, yes, I did everything that was I required awesome. of me. Yeah, I'm yes. like, I fulfilled the requirements of the encounter. That to me is satisfying. On. Andy, I want to ask you this question directly. As somebody who hasn't played MMOs as extensively, as in-depthly, or quite clearly hasn't wasted as much of their life on them as both me and Dave, uh, what are your thoughts on this topic? Um, well, just from a sort of single-player perspective, mm-hmm. um, I'm brought, I think that as time has gone on, games have become more complex and less challenging. Um, in that, I, I, I'm remind, I'm just thinking back to some of my old school gaming experiences. Because um, I feel like now when you play a game, you, you make this investment, and it's very cinematic, right? And usually the developers want you to see the end of a game. And right. I'm, usually t- I'm talking about like a single-player game at this point. Um, whereas in the past, I just think that wasn't true at all. I'm still nobody, not sure. Nobody cared if you I'm, saw the end of Contra. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm, still, I'm still not 100% sure there was a fourth level in Battletoads. Yeah. Because your bike race is so damn hard that I never, ever got past it. But oh, as, as a gamer who's, who's my, my gaming time has become less and less as time has gone on, and so what I'm looking for in games is not something that I have to replay over and over again to sort of get that satisfaction. But it's mm. sort of more of an immersion thing. Like uh, like Fallout 3, like I want to be able to jump into something, have it be like a really complex, interesting experience, but not have it be so frustrating that I wish I was doing something else. And so mm-hmm. I think that the rise in complexity and the, the lowering of challenge as a, as a more casual gamer um, has, has been kind of a boon for me. Um, I don't know if you guys have experienced that or, or even think that that's accurate. Absolutely. Um, like your thoughts. Yeah, when you put it that way, I, I would completely agree with you. And I I know Jay does too, and I think that's an interesting perspective. Um, it's, it's not as if we're going to be sitting in an arcade playing Asteroids to get all ten spots on the high score list, you know? It's like yeah. the, the time and the people who played those games no longer exist. Yes, there's the guy from King of Kong... Uh, who's awesome, who still is out there and still playing, Right, maybe right now. We don't know. Maybe he's doing that right now. This very moment. He could be setting a new high score. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, in general, what you're you're really talking about is the gaming industry uh, adapting to market demands, which is more people want to play games, more people want to feel competent playing games. And um, just like what you said, if you're going to invest $10,000 in the cinematic at the end, you want people to see that. Mm. 
Absolutely. And that maybe that's where um, maybe that's where modes come from, specifically in single player games. Hmm. So if you crave that challenge, and I know Rev plays every game on hard because he feels like if he's not playing it on hard mode, he's not getting his money's worth, basically. See, that's that's funny. It's just like Andy said. When I have the option, if I know I want to beat the game, if I know I want to see the game, experience the game, I play it on easy because I know if I try it on medium or hard, then I'm probably going to come up against a wall, at which point I'll become frustrated. And when I get frustrated with a game now because of the other demands of my time or the other ways I like to spend my free time, odds are I'm going to put it down and the chances I'm going to pick it up again. If I'm not allowed to change the difficulty mode mid-game, that's a nice caveat right there, then I'm probably not going to pick it up again. Just a Absolutely. And, and as I, I agree. And as I've grown, grown older and um, sort of my options for my time have expanded, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like when I was 10 and all I had to do was just play games in the basement. Right. Um, when I, I sort of made a deal with myself that when I stop having fun with something, I stop playing it. No matter mm-hmm. where I am along the game, no matter what happened, if it stops being fun, I'm not going to play it anymore because I don't want to. I don't want to use that time that I could use it so- somewhere else. And so, optimally for me, um, my perfect gaming experience is something like uh, Mass Effect, or I, I had a great time with Gears of War too. Because it was fun the whole way through. It never got to a point where I thought, you know, I don't really want to do this anymore. Um, and so I'd like to see games continue to do that. I'd like to be able to get that whole experience without, you know, swearing unnecessarily at my television. Yeah. Because that's what news is for. <laughs> that is what news is for. Uh, I agree. Um, yeah, and I, I agree with you, too. I'm in the middle of Years of War 2, and I'm having a lot of fun, which always, I always hearken back to... Um, Jay, when you and Sarah lived down here in Southern California, and I would stop by on my way home from work, and we would play some co-op uh, Gears of War 1 together on your Xbox. Mm-mm-mm. Those were good times. And those cold, cold Xbox batteries right out of the fridge. Yep. Right Classic. out of the, the freezer Delicious. there. Yep. The freezer there. <laughs> Camel in disrepair. All right. <laughs> So, uh, interesting. Uh, gives me some stuff to think about. You know, I agree with a lot of what you guys have said. Um, more and more, gaming is becoming a storytelling... Uh, um, I don't know. I was going to say, like, not expedition, but experience. I don't know. Whatever it is. But it's becoming about storytelling. And, you know, there wasn't a big story in Asteroids. There wasn't a big story in... Um, what was the one where you were... Chasing the Spy Hunter, yes. Not a lot of story in Spy Hunter. In fact, the majority of the story in Spy Hunter was on the front of the box, where you know you were allegedly hunting spies. Um, but uh, or spies were being hunted. There was a spy involved tangentially. I think I don't know. Um, but it's open to interpretation. I think it's a it's a deep text. Right, it really is. But but games, those games were played, I think, for a different reason. Like the the, the King of Kong kind of thing, where you're playing it for the high score. That guy who's playing that game is a different, has a totally different motivation than the guy who's playing Fable Two, which is completely on rails and an RPG where you know if you just kill enough goons and level up enough skills, you can beat the whole game without breaking a sweat. And it's all about delivering the story to you. Um, 
and I, I think Zelda is some kind of weird middle ground. But anyway, let's uh, let's move on with that because I could I could ponder and talk and whatever about that for uh, for all time. So we're going to move on to our last last topic of discussion, which is. Star Wars The Old Republic's new class, which was announced last week, and it is the Sith Warrior. Yes. What I love about this is that the Sith Warrior character class, um, (laughs) it is exactly like uh, me as a raid leader. And uh, let me... Let me elaborate on that. I want to <laughs> tell you guys what I mean. From from the description, it says here... Um, dun, 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 somewhere. It says this... Well, they're bad guys, I guess. No, shut up, really? Because they're like... <laughs> I, guess, I guess Sith is, uh, is Star Wars Expanded Universe for bad. <laughs> right. Because that wasn't in... There was like no such thing as... Fell, yes. Fell, dark, bad magic. There was no such thing as Sith in the original, right? It was just the Emperor. Yep. And it never talked about him being a Sith. Um, basically, what it says about the Sith that I kind of related to was that uh, they they won't stand for incompetence, and they've been known to kill soldiers who don't uh, who don't do what they need to do, even yeah. if they're working for the Sith. What, so I'm all about that. Yeah, you are clearly, except not quite to the standard I would call you to. But oh wow. <laughs> All I have to say is, you know what needs to be done. Let, let's do it. I, I've been known to kill raiders. That's all I'm saying. Not nearly enough. Not Apparently enough. I'm the Sith here. Uh, that's probably true. All right. Well, okay. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give you a class overview. Um, all of this stuff is available on the web, so I'm not telling anyone anything that they don't know if they've perused this information. But uh, the Sith use lightsabers. I'm waiting no, for the gap. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> they use lightsabers. They are capable of wearing uh, heavy armor, which kind of surprised me. And it, the sense that I'm getting from the description and from the videos is that they wade into the middle of combat, and then they have uh, the ability to kind of control their enemies with intimidation and their Sith powers and all this stuff. So um, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say tanking class. Oh, what, 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 what? I'm sorry. How are you not interested in Sith? Dave. They can have two lightsabers. Shut up. Do you realize (laughs) what they just did? Uh, Tell me. Okay. Enlighten me. Let's let's go back over the the classes available for each faction (laughs) in the current game as it stands right now. Yes, Bounty Hunter. Okay, Bounty Hunter, who is which side? Uh, Horde. Yes, right. <laughs> okay, right now I'm looking at the site, and on the Sith Empire site, we have Bounty Hunter and Sith Warrior, right? Okay. Correct. So those are, if you want to be a bad guy, if you're an orc or a troll, that's who you're going to be. And if yes. you're on the light side, you're either going to be a trooper, a smuggler, and we don't have Jedi on there yet as official. Okay. But obviously, obviously it's going to be on there. So what they've just done has been like, when people go to make their character like, oh, a trooper. I could be a mindless, white plastic-wearing, phaser-blaster asshole who can't hit his target. No, 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 no that's not good. Hold on, hold on, smuggler. Oh, I can, I can, I can, I can run away. Stuff. I can run, yes. yeah, I can run away. That's a good idea, yes. Oh, wait, wait this guy used to use a lightning sword? And he plus can't be hit to, by lasers? Plus five to running, and I can shift mind? two squares. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm him, right? Okay, so that's the, that's the... Hey, lightning were, swords, yes. If you were human, 
or if you were, you know, a dwarf in WoW, that's what you're going to do. And now if you're a Sith, you're going to be like, okay, I was a bounty, you know, oh, bounty hunter. I can fly around and I can shoot lasers. That's cool. That's cool. Oh, I could use two lightning swords with armor <laughs> and throw people around? Like, do you realize what they've done? They've made a Let game where all you want to do is be a Jedi or a Sith warrior in either one, and that's fine with the developers. I'm like... <laughs> Oh, God. Let me tell you what this is. Uh, this is symptomatic of a much larger problem. <laughs> and I'm about to coin this phrase Socialism, right now. Okay, so, drop it. Oh, wait, no, anybody no. says it again, there's going to be royalties involved. Right. Cool inflation. Cool inflation? Right, you heard it here first. <laughs> cool inflation. Oh, my God. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. Oh, that was straight 2010. Now, call me, call me old-fashioned. But remember, like, because I, I, played, I played Star Wars Galaxies for a little while, mm-hmm. right? Like... I, I got a little bit of that experience. And one thing I kind of loved about that game, even the hooks, is, is that it was the opposite of cool. Like, yeah. your guy, Star Wars Galaxies, couldn't do anything. <laughs> like, he, he, had to, like, he had to, like, have a job. He had to, like, farm <laughs> or, like, flex stuff. Right? But that, that, made it, that made it, like, when you got into a firefight, it actually seemed really rad because the rest of the game was so boring. <laughs> totally <laughs> true. I just feel like now all we're going to do is we're going to have a bunch of, like, 13-year-old kids running around named, you know, Darth Maul 666. I Darth Mauled your XX. ass, bitch, is what they're going to say. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be a name, right? And it's just going to be this warrior after this warrior. And after a while, I just think, what is it for, you know? Why why even bother at this point? If everyone is so freaking cool, then then nothing can be impressive anymore. And I just... I feel like we've got to ratchet it down a little bit. Um, so no Sith warriors? People work for it. No Sith warriors. Make, make, uh, make farmers or slaves a class. Make a work up. A moisture if, farmer class. What if when you roll a Sith warrior, like you select Sith warrior and you name yourself something stupid, like, it rolls sorry, you in as a slave? Yeah, you're an nerf herder. <laughs> moisture farmer? God damn it, again? Here is your stat. You said No. Ah. Oh, man. Well, that's awesome. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think we know what they have to do. What they have to do is make the other classes so compelling that it overcomes how awesome the Jedi is. Right. Wait, hold it. Hold it. When was right. the last time you talked to someone in WoW, for example, who played a Death Knight because it was compelling? I rest my case. Uh, <laughs> they play it because you can get 4K DPS 10 minutes after hitting 80. That's true, but you did that with your hunter. That's because I'm awesome. <laughs> that's the X factor, which I, I would require a Jedi to have. Okay, so uh, Jedi relatively gimp unless you're awesome. I fully agreed. Why not make them hard, really fucking hard to play? Like, almost impossible to master... Almost impossible to survive unless you are pro, in which case you are completely unable to overcome. Now, if they can pull that off, I might play this game. So, uh, under the slim chance that anyone from BioWare is listening to this, please, 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 Fix it. please, <laughs> just make it hard. Uh. If you're going to make it accessible, make it hard. If you're going to make it inaccessible, make it easy, period. Yeah, or make it medium if you're going to make it inaccessible, because medium is fine. Or medium well, that rare, because I like some blood. That was why I really liked, um, pointing back to that game that we aren't talking too much about, but that was why I really liked the Death Knight, because when it first came out, mm. 
before they started changing talents around and stuff, you could be awesome, but you had to be incredibly sharp and really paying attention and doing all the right things at the right times and also having good luck. Like it had to almost be a perfect storm for you to be awesome. But if you had that, you were awesome. And if you didn't have that, um, you were still good, but you weren't amazing. So I liked kind of rolling around being awesome, and then they made it with like the the changes to the blood tree where blood did amazing single target DPS. They made it so everybody could be awesome, and that's where the death knights are overpowered thing came in after they finished leveling. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that said, yeah, I totally agree with you. I want the really hard class that does the most damage or does the most whatever if you play it perfectly, and I've kind of always gravitated towards that with like the monk in EverQuest, which was one of the top damage classes, but also really hard to play. Well, um, here's how they can make sure that they get this right. As soon as they release beta, okay, they release beta, everyone's going to roll a Sith or a Jedi, right? Like, literally none of the other classes, maybe like 5% of total population, right? Right. And all they right. have to do is apply a filter to the chat of everyone playing those classes, and if they use, like, a UR for your... Or any other retarded internet speak. All they have to do is look at what those characters are doing and make sure that whatever combinations of buttons they're pressing do damage to themselves and nothing to anyone else. Okay? And then I will play this game. Period. Well, that seems pretty straightforward. I I mean... I'm going to to create a game that is uh, just totally oblique and not cool at all, but the end game is going to be amazing. It's going to be called Industrial Revolution, the MMORPG. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna roll up a factory worker. Yeah, like his earning potential is low, but at the end game, you know, when you're suffering from tuberculosis, things get really interesting. <laughs> I just so like I almost I'd like I'd be really interested in like a massively multiplayer like cooking game or something. <laughs> cooking I'm mama so tired of boards yep. and lasers. You know, like I'm just waiting for anybody listening to this, potential game designers. Give me something weird. That's all I'm asking. Well, I have a question, though. I have a question, and this totally ties into what we were just talking about. It seems like, yeah, it seems like the reason that we aren't happy about the Sith Warrior, and I'm totally on board with you guys, but it seems like the reason we aren't happy about the Sith Warrior or the Jedi um, is that everybody else is going to play them and have fun with them, and they're going to be good. Why is that a bad thing? Because, okay, well... I don't like other people to be happy, Dave. That's Andy, right? Well, I agree with that. For me, like, if you look at the way I played the unmentionable game uh, since since I started playing, which is too long ago, I don't want to think about it. Like, I've always chose the classes who were not the best, but who required skill and competence to do in such a way that made people go, damn! Like, that to me is the most rewarding aspect of the game. Like, I don't care if I'm top damage or if I'm top heels, like, that's not what matters to me as much as if... I mean, like, right now, if that mattered to me, I would re-roll as a shaman, and I would heal as a shaman, period. Like, it would take me less time than what I'm doing right now. But I really like the fact that as a paladin, holy paladin, I can heal better than the majority of other people playing classes that I've encountered in the game. Like, that to me means that not only is the mechanic... Not only are the mechanics working correctly, but... I'm adding my additional skill to it to make it a level that is barely above the easy mode. So you're playing your own mini game, basically. Yeah, well, no, you have to at some point. You know, after four years, if I'm not entitled to play my own meta game, then five years, uh, not for me. Okay, I four guess I'll give you that. Bow. 
Bow. Um, <laughs> nah, I, I don't really want people to have fun. That's my thing. Okay. So that's no, why you're no, right. I'm with you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. It's it's that I don't want people to have fun doing what I want to do because I want to be unique. Wait, you're a eunuch? No, I'm a eunuch. Oh. You heard it here first, <laughs> folks. that? Don't ask about that. You the buy game. those children? Craig's <laughs> <laughs> list uh, is amazing. That's all I'm going to say. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what they do with the next couple characters. Honestly, I'm going to need to get into the beta and uh, really play around with the other character classes. I'm going to roll a Sith Warrior and a Jedi first, but then after I do that stuff and say you're in chat a lot, um, you're in chat? What? Uh, after I do all that, then I will try the uh, other classes, and hopefully they will be cool. And maybe, who knows, maybe the bounty hunter is like top DPS, or maybe the the smuggler is the most utility or whatever, and, and the Sith warrior and the Jedi are just really middle of the road. Um, they threw everything but the kitchen sink in there, but they don't excel at anything. And if that's the case... I'm totally fine with that. Make that's the not Jedi gonna be, the hybrid class. Right. That's not going to be the min-max um, class. That's not going to be what what we go for, you know, we'll have an alt that's that, and yeah. we'll have fun dinking around on it or whatever, but... As a closing point to this, because I think we've talked this one out, is that, it, I mean, the way they can succeed with it is make it where it's like, oh, you know, you're a Jedi? All right, let's see how you do, right? I mean, and that's what everyone who tries to challenge my call of why play anything but a Jedi, what they say is, well, the reason why is because they're going to make it where it's during a time in lore where the Jedi were so pursued and, you know, no one was truly exceptional and there are Jedi dying everywhere. Now, if that happens to be true and they're going to play it that way, then they have to make the class middling. Now, if they do that, that's, in my opinion, the only way they're going to be successful. Wait, I think Miles wants to say something. Miles, anything to say except for Mao? Because you're a freaking, you know, little red book-waving communist. Anything? Mao. No? He loves him, the chairman. He does. Oh, there you go. Whatever. All yeah. I know is I'm, a, I'm rolling up a dancer. I'm going to go park in the canteen of days. <laughs> He's going to dance. Be awesome dance. People. Yeah, <laughs> mad tips, brah. Grind, you know, grind your, uh, your, grind your, uh, what was that called? Oh. <laughs> I don't even remember now. <laughs> too long ago. Damn it. That's Free sad. Craft. Weaponsmithing? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> All right. Okay. Remember the Morrowind land? Dude, I hope we mention that every single podcast. I, I just, it I just want to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that's all we got for you on this episode of Borks. Check us out on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash BorksCast. Um, you can find me at CD Eagle. Jay is at Tesson, T-E-S-S-O-N. And Andrew is... Andrew S. McAlpine, I believe. Is that right? Yeah? No? Yes? No S. It's just Andrew McAlpine. Oh, you sneaky man. You just gave away his middle initial. I know. You bastard. By the way, I have a new nickname for you. It's based off of your first initial and your middle name. From now on, you will be known as Ascot. Ask McAlpine. No. <laughs> so, Ascot. Uh, deal. Thanks for joining us on this show. We we uh, really appreciate the sort of the formal air that you bring to any robe or smoking jacket. And uh, what else? Oh, you can email us, we at borksproductions.com. Please hit us up on Twitter. Jay, do we have a phone number for them to call into? Uh, we'll have that next week, but yeah. our, our guarantee in this time is if you send us an email at we at borksproductions.com, we will read the email online almost 
I almost guarantee in its entirety, even yep. if it's nothing but, dear Vorthcast, you guys suck. I would love to kick you to the teeth, but you're so far away. We love. hate everything about you. Yeah, <laughs> we'll read it and then we'll we talk will. about you and maybe other <laughs> distinct possibility. So, ah, uh, uh, so. yes. All right. Well, guys, uh, thanks for joining us this week very much. We enjoyed making the show for you. We hope you enjoy listening to it. And uh, throw us some feedback. If you have any opinions, if you have anything you want us to mention on next week's show, send that our way, and we'll be listening for that. Until next week, stay nerdy.